Hi, everybody. Welcome to another Chats with Children. I hope you're safe and well. Today, I'm delighted to join by my good friend, Noel Mastre, who is director of, I don't even know how to pronounce this properly, Slate X Space. Slate Space. Oh, Slate Space, right, okay, with an emphasis on ATM piece. And uh, I actually caught up with Noel, uh, oh God, it must have been about October time, I think, last year, mm-hmm. when uh, they had just launched, and he was one of the co-authors for a cell and gene therapy report, and we actually went through the findings of that report. So, Noel, how are you, my friend? I'm very good. Nice to talk to you again, Rizwan. How are you? <laughs> very well. We were just talking, actually, viewers, before we came online about how, how Noel has got COVID here now because his hair's got a bit longer. So. It, it is getting a bit long. <laughs> yeah. We'll so, see what it looks like by the next interview. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We're down to here. Um, so, uh, Noel is actually calling in from sunny San Diego. And again, we were just talking about how San Diego seems to have escaped the cold grip, which has gone all across the states at the moment, whereas it's 10 p.m. here in the UK. So it's dark and miserable outside. So a bit of a contrast here we have today. So, no, first of all, I hope you're well. Um, before we start talking about and today, we're actually going to be looking back at um, 2020 and looking ahead to 2021, looking at the trends around 2021. But before we start doing that, Noel, for those not familiar with Slate Space, can you just give a quick overview of the business and also your role within that as well in your background. Sure. Um, so Slate Space is an offering that is a CRB offering. Um, we're an integrated AEC consulting and construction firm. And Slate Space is really a platform that we developed over the last 16 months to create what we think is the future of biotech manufacturing, where it really decouples the process from the manufacturing space and provides a very flexible manufacturing environment that's delivered in very short time frames with high cost certainty, really trying to meet the needs of the, the life science industry that, uh, that, that have been even more um, um, highlighted by, by some of the things that have happened last year with COVID and, and speed to market. Great. And uh, your background? Uh, my background is uh, I lead our, um, our San Diego office. Um, I've been with CRB for, for 15 years now and uh, actually stepping into a new role, focused heading up our global life sciences market. Um, so very excited to, uh, to be speaking with you again. Fantastic. So let's look at 2020. So how would you describe that in one word and why? Uh, I'd say unprecedented. <laughs> right. <laughs> I know uh, it's a pretty obvious, but why would you say that? <laughs> well, so f- obviously there's the obvious piece, which is the pandemic. But I think it was, it was kind of a perfect storm. If I look at CRB, you know, we had we had the, we had the pandemic, which forced us to go fully remote on March 15th. Uh, and we've essentially almost been fully remote since then. Um, and then kind of the perfect storm of the life science industry when COVID started, really slowed down uh, for a few months, and you know, we're starting to get a little little antsy, wondering where things are going to head. And then it just came back full throttle. Um, and so the you know the first half of the year was so different than the second half of the year. We were extremely busy, um, a lot of warp speed type projects, uh, including I think seven or eight warp speed projects. Um, so clients looking for you know. Um, for us to deliver facilities and manufacturing spaces and solutions in record amounts of time to help fight this pandemic. Right. Well, that's really interesting. We'll touch upon that a little bit later. So, I mean, 
like you said, the pandemic sort of hit everybody uh, at the beginning of the year and certainly from March onwards, as you say, when everybody started going to lockdown. So as a business, have you been able to sort of hit your targets and objectives that you started the year out with in 2020? Actually, we have. Um, you know, as I was mentioning, it was kind of a tale of two halves of the year. And our first half of the year was was good, but then really slowed down as, as with the uncertainty of the pandemic. Um, but the back half of the year really came back very strong and, and CRB had um, another record year last year after hitting a record year the prior year. And to tell you where we are poised today is where if things go in the right direction, it looks like we're on track to do the same thing again in 2021. Yeah, well, you're making a rod for your own back there, Noble. People expect that now every year in these record years, weren't they? So. <laughs> well, it's, it's a pretty good industry to be in. Um, you know, life science industry has always been a pretty pretty strong industry, and so obviously, the pandemic brought on not only all the existing work that we already had in place, but a whole slew of COVID-related projects. So it it really kind of doubled our workload. Well, that's interesting. So, I mean, I know you're a global organization. So I've spoken to various other people who work in global organizations. And so when did you start planning for the pandemic and what did you already have in place to help you? Good question. Um, you know, it was, it was a little bit of a transition, but we had in early February, we had one of our local business leaders here in the Western region start kind of alerting the company that this is something we should pay attention to. And very quickly, things, things moved pretty quickly from then on. So early March is when we set up kind of a, a task force around COVID and, and how we we're going to prepare ourselves as a company. And then by March 15th, two, two weeks later, we were fully remote. Um, that's 20 offices going fully remote, 1,500 employees going fully remote, essentially, in a matter of a couple of days. That's impressive. And and, and luckily, it didn't really impact us as much as we thought it would. Um, you know, being a, an AEC organization, a consulting firm, there's a lot of collaboration required in, in, our, in our day-to-day interactions. And so we always felt that it was really important to have all of our employees in the office to make sure that we have those creative collisions and those interactions. And what we found is that um, because we are decentralized and have so many different offices, we already had all the infrastructure and IT systems in place to do a lot of work sharing. And so we're able to take that and just leverage that to be able to now, you know, implement it to everyone working from home. Right. Okay. And was working from home and adding the new systems, the only thing you had to change or were there other things that you had to change as a business structurally to cope with the pandemic? Generally not a a lot. No. I mean, we had to put a lot of procedures in place for, um, you know, employees that needed to be on site when we are doing work at manufacturing sites. And so a lot of COVID protocols and safety related protocols. But from uh, an overall infrastructure of the company, we didn't have to do all that much. A lot of it was in place. We had to ramp up our capacity to do, you know, instead of having, you know, 10 people on a Zoom call, now you had you to have 50 or 100 or things of that nature. We had to scale up a lot of our systems. Um, but by and large, a lot of them were, were already in place. Right. And in terms of um, the market and also your customers, obviously you mentioned already that for the first part, 
it was relatively quiet and then it sort of accelerated. But in terms of how you worked with your customers, obviously you're working remotely now. How were you able to sort of still service your customers and keep up the high levels of service and meet their demands, if you like, project-wise, having to work remotely? I would say the one downside that we've seen out of this remote, well, there's probably more than one, but one clear downside out of this remote work environment is it's changed the dynamic of how we work in the sense that everything is meeting related now, right? right. There are no more just everyone sitting around a conference room table with, with our client to do a drawing review or to talk about, um, you know, all meet up in a trailer to talk about the construction strategy. A lot more of it is meeting after meeting after meeting, which is taxing for, for our workforce and I'm sure for our clients as well. But it was really leveraging a lot of those same platforms that I think a lot of people are using, you know, Zoom, Microsoft Teams and other um, kind of interactive um, video conferencing, you know, a lot more focus on actually vid using video too. You know, we used to use these platforms and we used to just use the audio piece. We would never kind of, yeah, kind sure. of turn on the camera. Um, and now that's totally changed the culture, right? It's almost uh, kind of awkward if, you don't, if you're not on camera now. Yeah, it's like, what are you hiding if you don't put the camera on? Right, right, exactly. Where are you? <laughs> what are you doing while you're talking to me? That's the question. <laughs> you on the golf course? Yeah, exactly. It's a bit noisy in the background. What's going on, right? Yeah. So <laughs> moving from the negative that you just said, so looking at the positives, though. So uh, what positives would you say have come out, though, of last year, both uh, for the business and also for the industry as well? So I think starting with the business the positives that we've seen come out of it is been um, patience. Our company was patient. We, we weathered three, about an entire quarter of really bad, you know, financial outlook um, without having to do anything to impact our workforce. Right. And, and actually we kind of doubled down and created a lot of programs to help people who were now working at home and yep. who, children were not in school and so they needed to juggle all these different priorities and so I think out of that one of the really positive things that's come out is is uh, re-emphasize or, or a higher emphasis on our people and and not just looking at them as you know the employee who shows up to work but now you're really getting a sense of like people in their daily lives right because they're they're calling and the cats you know crawling across the keyboard or the yeah. children are playing in the background. And so there, there's a whole another human aspect that's kind of evolved out of that dynamic of working from home. Um, you know, I think we were really able to support our, our, our people through very difficult times. And we're also able to support our clients through very challenging times for them. Right. Um, and obviously being in the industry that we're in, one of the, you know, the major accomplishments that we had for this year was, was, you know, working on so many of these COVID projects. Some of them are licensed, some of them are late stage clinical and probably about ready to get approved. Um, so those are all really good things that came out of, of out of this year. And, and I guess maybe the, the last thing is with all the, um, the, the socio-political events happening in, in the U.S. and across the world, we've really put like reshaped our our policies and our outlook on diversity and inclusion 
Right. And so really, really having a very intentional focus this year as well in terms of, of building up more programs um, to make sure that, you know, we're as inclusive and as open as, a, as an organization as we can possibly be. That's brilliant. And again, you're, you're not the only person I've spoken to at a big organization who said that, which is great to see that people are sort of looking at that and incorporating that into their company culture and their values as well. So what key learnings would you say you would take out from this, from last year, this year, 2020? And what, uh, and what do you think you might have done differently? Hmm. I would say some of the key learnings, I mean, one of the big things is around the remote work and the flexibility, right? I think um, if we look at it today, it's almost silly for us to think that we can't operate in this manner. And so when things come back to whatever we want to call normal one day, um, we're going to be priced somewhere in between, but give employees a lot more flexibility. Um, You know, some of the things we would have done differently, I think is we're still learning from it. Um, there's still some challenges we're trying to figure out how to, in which ways we can best support our employees. And I think one of them is that, that mental fatigue of the being on conference calls all day long. And so how do we, how do we lessen that burden and make it more, um, more enjoyable and more organic um, and so that's something we probably still haven't resolved. Um, and things that we would have done differently, you know, there's nothing that really kind of s- sticks out in, in my mind. I think, um, you know, there are a lot of things where we could have probably acted more proactively. Um, some of these, you know, whether it was around the the socio-political events that are happening or around the pandemic um you know at first it's a little bit of a reactive mode right due to the pandemic you're like this this isn't necessarily you know going to be as bad as we think it's going to be and and it's kind of the same thing with with everything else that happened in 2020 so i think maybe more proactive around addressing issues um you know before they become a, a a big deal yeah, well, hindsight is a wonderful thing, isn't it? It's easy to say that when you've got hindsight and you know what's actually happened. So, uh, you, but you mentioned, um, you know, the new normal. So what do you think the new normal is looking like going forward? Not just in this year, but sort of beyond that as well. Well, I think for us, um, the new normal will be sort of, a, it'll be a hybrid system where we are now going to, be partly working from home, partially working in the office, give people a lot more flexibility around um, how they want to structure their work-life balance um, and, um, and really just come, come at it from a, a different standpoint. It, it kind of shattered a lot of the old adages, right? There's a lot of things that we thought were were reasons why we were successful um, in executing certain certain projects, certain tasks that all of a sudden we go, well, now we get to rethink this um, from, a, from a fresh standpoint. And so um, that's one of the things that, that's gonna be interesting. We're continuing, like I said, to, to learn as to what the new normal is gonna look like. But I think the biggest impact is it's given us kind of a, a, an opportunity to reset and then figure out what, is going to be the most optimal way to to move forward um, 
you know, in 2021 and beyond. And what do you think in terms of working with your clients? So as you said, you've now been working remotely uh, and having to work remotely with a lot of them in terms of projects. So again, do you think that'd be more of a hybrid? Do you, do you think, or you, will you go back to the days where everybody's going out to see their clients as much as possible and you will be doing very little in terms of the video conferences or do you think it will be a, more of a mix now because clients will be happy to do the video conferences rather than you coming into their offices all the time? You know, it's interesting. I, I, I think we will go back pretty close to what it was pre-pandemic, but obviously that depends on a multitude of different factors. You know, are we going to be all wearing masks for the next four or five years? Um, whether or not we're vaccinated, there's a lot of questions around that. But I think there's, there is a, um, like an innate need for that people want to get back out there. They would like to get back out to client sites. And so, I could almost see it um, rebounding, kind of the, having the pendulum swing to the other side for a while where people are really excited to be in the office, <laughs> really excited to see clients and, and you know, have face-to-face -face lunches and things of that nature. Cool. All right. So I know, obviously, you have been working on a very hot area, the ATMPs, which have been in the news a lot over the last 12 months. So what do you see as the key development and trends for life science and pharma, not just for 2021, but moving ahead as well. What do you think the big trends are that we should be looking out for? I think flexibility and adaptability, not just around the workforce, but I think, you know, as we're talking about this new mix of different products, you know, biotech's been dominated by therapeutic proteins for a long time. And now we've got a huge resurgence in vaccines and there's an entire array of vaccine technologies out there. Um, as well as a lot of new emerging technologies. And so manufacturing is probably going to look different than it used to in the sense of clients need more and more flexibility to be able to handle diverse pipelines and, and more complex um, business situations. Right. And are there any particular sort of um technologies you think which are going to be more prominent i mean if, if it is it because obviously the vaccines have come out with the mrna vaccine so that's a lot of people talking about those sort of transferring over to other sorts of modalities and using them for other sorts of treatments i mean what what do you think from the people you've been speaking to the projects that you're involved in do you think are going to be very popular in 2021 and further forward um, you know, one of the trends that we're seeing a lot are, are oligo and peptides, which has historically been kind of a small, smaller field subset of pharma. Um, that's growing very quickly. mRNA products are growing very quickly. Cell and gene therapy is still kind of the floodgates are about to open, right? But we've been saying that for about two years now. There's a handful of licensed products and there's, I think, 1,500 in clinical trials. Um, so really there's, it could be a multiple different avenues that really just continue to, um, to balloon and, and thrive in this industry. I think the other thing that we really, there's a good strong takeaway from 2020 is speed to market is everything. Right. Um, you know, the ability for this entire world scientific community to come together and collectively try to solve one of the biggest problems that our generations has had to face and be able to come out with vaccines in a record amount of time. I mean, vaccine development historically was like a five plus year timeline and we've done it in, in 12 months or 11 months, right? Maybe less. Um, and so we're seeing that 
there's such a sense of urgency in all these projects, right? Whether they're government mandated or where they're client mandated. And so I think the industry is never going to go back to saying, well, now we can kind of relax our standards in terms of, you know, what the delivery process to, to get these drugs out to market, you know, out of research and into manufacturing environment and out to market. I think that's never going to come back. And so there's a whole new paradigm around how we deliver projects and deliver facilities, whether they're laboratories or manufacturing facilities that speed to market and that kind of turnkey delivery is something that we're seeing um, a very strong demand for by almost all of our clients. Right. And, and do you think though, that obviously a lot of the activity which has happened in the last 12 months has been obviously because of Operation Warp Speeds and lots of other governments have been obviously putting a huge amount of funding behind vaccine development and test kits and so on. So obviously as things start to settle down on that front, hopefully with more vaccines coming online and so on and things getting under control, do you think that the funding still going to be there for these other sort of developments to the same level that you'll still be able to get the funding to be able to do these new technologies transfer into other sort of diseases and modalities? I think so. And I don't know if it's all going to be government funded versus private venture capitalist funded, but if you look at 2020, just in selling gene therapy alone, um, it, <laughs> the projections were already like a 20 or 25% compounded growth annually and 2020 beat out the projections and so and those are those are private investments they weren't government investments right so i think there's going to continue to be both um especially if you know what we're reading in the news these days is that you know covid is maybe something more like the flu that is not going to be eradicated like polio for example but it's something we're going to continuously be dealing with and continuously mutating um, I think there's going to be more investment in pandemic preparedness and vaccine development um, so that we can continue to fight this particular pandemic or better prepared for the next um, the next wave, which hopefully is a little, you know, little ways down the road. But uh, but but surely will probably happen again one day. All right. And um, so what are um the company's TRBs and uh, Slate Spaces plans for 2021 and beyond then. So what are your plans for this year? As you said, you're already expecting to do better than last year, which was a record year, which was better the year before. So, but, but, you know, where, where are you seeing the growth as a business and what are you sort of focusing on in the next 12 months? A lot of those, um, you know, it's a mixture. Uh, I would say, you know, in the life science arena, there's, there is a huge demand for laboratory space right now. There's a huge shortage of, of R&D space. There's a huge shortage of manufacturing space. We're seeing completely new entities kind of evolve out of those, out of those needs. You know, one of them is um, these developers that now want to, to create leasable cleanroom space um, because the CMOs are, you know, have so much backlog and, and, and you know, they're, they've got eight, 12 to 18 months of backlog. The operating companies don't have enough manufacturing spaces. And so now other players are coming in and saying, well, we want to enter this life science market and we want to you know, take a different approach where we're going to create a, a space that we can lease out to these companies. Right. Um, so we're seeing all sorts of different new players kind of in infiltrate the the life science markets 
Um, I think it is, you know, the crystal ball is foggy when it comes to where exactly are things going to shift. But what I would say is generally the industry as a whole seems to be on track to have another extremely strong year this year and potentially even carry into 2022 because a lot of the projects that we do are, you know, 12, 16, 18, 24 months long. And so um, I would say, you know, very, very strong outlook for the next year and a half at at least. Brilliant. So final thing, what message would you have for those who are watching this right now for the coming year? What's your, what's your sort of, New Year's, I know we're into February now, but what's your New Year's message for everyone? I would tell people to be patient. Um, I know it's been a long time and it, you know, it's almost feels like BC, right? Before COVID was, was years (laughs) ago at this point, but we're almost there. Um, You know, there are vaccines out there that are, they're currently commercialized. There are other um, other vaccines that are going to roll out soon. And now is the time to be patient, the time to be safe. Um, and hopefully within a matter of a couple more months, we'll be in a much better situation. Um, but I think m- m- most importantly is just to be hopeful. Right? It's been a very challenging year for a year and a half for people, 2020 and the start of 2021. And, and uh, I think a lot of us are feeling it in a variety of different ways. And, um, you know, I think we will, we will all learn and be more resilient from having gone through this experience and, um, really look forward to, um, to really what's going to come next. Cause I think a lot of good things are going to come out of this. Well, I certainly hope so. That's uh, well said. Um, and also you sound like a typical PSG fan because the hope and everything is coming out there for the Champions League later on this year in June they're doing very well aren't they so there you go your patience will pay off hopefully Noel so uh, that was really interesting thank you very much for sharing your insights actually Noel because it was really good to know what your thoughts were and how the year's been for you and also some of these trends that you're talking about is fascinating actually to think about what lies ahead for us within life science so all I can say is thank you very much for taking that taking the time to talk to me today it's been a pleasure to see you again my friend likewise Rizwan great speaking with you again yeah and I wish you and PSG and your loved ones and everyone else a fantastic 2021 I hope you're safe happy successful and most importantly healthy for the year and I wish that for everybody else watching until next time as always well actually before, I nearly forgot if you've got any questions for Noel based on what he said please feel free to put comments below the video because I'm sure Noel will be more than delighted to answer them for you as well and I'll put the link for uh, Slate Space and CRB above the video as well so you can find out more about the business as well and what they do and also the link to the cell and gene therapy report that we talked about last time as well because you might find that very interesting as well because that was to be quite relevant for people if they want to read it so uh, all that says it stay well stay safe until next time bye-bye <laughs>